KPBS On Demand is supported by the San Diego County Toyota Dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota, let's go places. Cities around the country are reconsidering how they get their energy, including San Diego. For about a century, San Diegans have been buying their electricity from the same service provider, San Diego Gas and Electric. And that happened because the city, just like many others, signed a contract called a franchise agreement. But in January, a 50-year-old franchise agreement will expire and the city needs a new contract. Mayor Kevin Faulkner says he plans to put the agreement up for bid to private utilities. But community activists want a new energy future, public power, and they're willing to fight for it. In this story for the KPBS Investigates podcast, I take a deep dive into what public power means and the struggles many cities have faced when they've asked for it. Stay with me. KPBS On Demand is supported by the San Diego County Toyota Dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota, let's go places. It was a scorching hot August afternoon. Over a dozen activists, equipped with signs, charts, and graphs of California electricity rates, line the stairs of the tall brown skyscraper at 101 Ash Street, downtown. The building was once occupied by San Diego Gas and Electric's parent company, Sempra Energy. Activists gathered here to announce a new coalition. San Diego Public Power. Activists brought their demonstration to this building because they say it's symbolic of wasted money, just like the high rates San Diegans pay for electricity. We're paying $18,000 a day to pay for this uninhabitable building. The current franchise, the SDG&E, is delivering a million dollars a day in profits, 50 times larger. That's former energy journalist Craig Rose. Rose explains San Diego Gas and Electric customers pay the highest rates in the state, while cities that have their own public utilities, like Sacramento, have among the lowest rates in the state. Another coalition member, engineer Bill Powers, says there's an even more important reason. A public utility could help the city better reach its ambitious climate change goals. And we can finally start crafting our own destiny, which is solar power for all, battery power for all, and we can do it as one big family. Another activist, Sonia Robinson of the NAACP, points out there are also issues of inequity, saying low-income people can't afford SDG&E's high rates. We are asking for a more just, relatable, cost-effective rate for utilities for San Diegans. Then there's another reason these activists want public power now. Timing. Even though the city faces a deep budget deficit because of the coronavirus pandemic, interest rates are at historic lows. And now, some say, is a good time for a big infrastructure investment. But city leaders aren't on board. 
The mayor and key members of city council say breaking away from a contract with a private utility, like with sdg e at this time, would be too hard and cost too much money. Meanwhile, activists pledge to continue their fight for public power now. Of course, the backing of city leaders is key, but we'll get to that later. The first question for most San Diegans who've only ever paid sdg e bills is how exactly would public power known as municipalization, work? And how hard would it be to make it happen? Let's go back 100 years or so with energy consultant Robert McCullough. At the turn of the last century, we had a number of technological geniuses who revolutionized the world. And they brought electricity to the markets in North America. Those entrepreneurs became utility moguls, turning the invention of electric power generation into investor-owned, profit-making businesses. By the 1920s, less than a dozen investor-owned utilities sold the majority of electricity in the nation and secured decades of profits by convincing cities to sign franchise agreements with some local regulation. Well, that worked well into the Great Depression, but in the Great Depression, people couldn't buy electricity, so there was a wave of bankruptcies. The stock market crashed and those massive conglomerates collapsed, ruining investor livelihoods and leaving the energy grid in complete disarray. People began demanding a shift away from the corporations. A desire for public power passed through the country. The city governments took control. An example on the West Coast, Vancouver, British Columbia, Seattle is public power. LA, the largest. Today, thousands of other U.S. cities have public power. Around 45 provide power in California. Other major cities, like San Diego and San Francisco, still operate with those relic franchise agreements with investor-owned utilities from the turn of the last century. But McCullough believes the investor-owned utility model won't last, as more people opt for technology like solar panels and cities form community energy programs. People are much more efficient in electricity. We now conserve faster than we grow. So it means that sustaining the cash flow from these investor-owned utilities, it's a real challenge. These days, many cities are reconsidering their franchise agreements, including places like Boulder, Colorado, and Chicago. And even San Francisco has considered the idea of buying out Pacific Gas and Electric's local grid for around $2.5 billion. It sort of boils down to we can control our own reliability. Barry Moline is executive director of the California Municipal Utilities Association. He says reliability and meeting aggressive environmental goals are two of the main reasons cities opt for public power. And public utilities are just like private ones. They keep the lights on, but they're run through local utility boards, which work closely with the community. We have a different motive. They're focused on profits. Our focus is on controlling costs and meeting all of our goals for reliability, affordability, and sustainability. He brings up the Sacramento Municipal Utility District, or SMUD, as one example. The utility formed in the 40s and offers residents among the lowest rates in the state, with nearly half of its energy mix coming from renewable sources. I've lived in other public power communities, and they've been pretty good, but this one is just on steroids when it comes to engaging with the community. But some utility experts say public power isn't a panacea for all of our energy woes. 
For example, when much of California experienced planned rolling blackouts during a heat wave, SMUD also had power outages. They weren't because of a lack of power, however. They were likely caused by overheated transmission lines. Also, public utilities can make poor decisions and waste money, just like private ones. In the 1960s, SMUD purchased a nuclear power plant. Ratepayers voted in 1989 to decommission it, but it still costs the utility and ratepayers millions. Municipalization just changes who is in charge. What we want is good, responsive, attentive management. Energy lawyer Michael Wera says Sacramento is still a good example where public power works. But that's because the management is also good. And getting public power in the first place isn't exactly a piece of cake. The city has to buy the private utilities, poles, and wires, which can cost billions of dollars. You can't just take them for free. You have to pay the owners of those assets. And there are, it is wildly complicated to arrive at a number, and it creates an opportunity to fight. In fact, it took Sacramento two decades of court fights with Pacific Gas and Electric for the right to buy the infrastructure. Other cities now are also finding themselves in years of litigation, like those in the South San Joaquin Irrigation District. It has, it, it, there's, you know, if we have to shut down a line for... At a June 2019 meeting, the discord between the city of Manteca and the Irrigation District and PG&E is palpable. Here's a PG&E representative explaining why they have to shut off wide swaths of power during the fire season. You know, having to turn off the lights is, is not something that we enjoy, and it's not a decision that we take lightly. And Mayor Benjamin Cantu responding. Well, let me be a little crude. The people in this town are pissed. <laughs> and I put a notice out several weeks ago, and I got 68,000 hits from people that did not know what to do. But how do you address a person who has a freezer full of food and is going to spoil in a couple of days? Manteca and other cities in the district have been trying to separate from PG&E since the early 2000s, says Peter Rekirk, general manager of the irrigation district. They weren't seeing the level of investment and care in the facilities. Uh, that they were hoping to receive from PG&E at the time. It took nearly a decade before the district's application to take over the utility was finally approved. And then, when they sued to condemn PG&E's infrastructure and try to take it over, right away, PG&E sued the district back. PG&E actually had a uh, had funded a local group called Stop the Power Grab that dried up uh, fairly quickly because they saw that the local community was behind us. Between 2008 and 2018, the district spent $27 million on the project. $18 million of that went to legal costs. Today, the region is still caught in litigation limbo. Would you go through that process again? Um, the answer is yes. And it's primarily because of the value that we think we can bring to our local constituents. But even with widespread community support, municipalization is often an uphill battle. Take Boulder, Colorado. In 2010, the city council voted not to extend the city's franchise agreement with its investor-owned utility, XL Energy. We had just passed a, our climate action plan and our carbon tax. Jonathan Cohen is the chief sustainability officer with the city of Boulder. 
our electricity supply um, was the, the big issue that we needed to wrestle with in terms of meeting our emission reduction requirements. The city wanted more control over its energy mix, and on several occasions the public voted in favor of a public utility that would prioritize clean energy sources. But 10 years later, in 2020, they're still fighting. Now the city's back to considering another 20-year franchise agreement with Excel. But Cohen says the fight for public power was worth it because the utility has made commitments to meet climate change targets. If they're not hitting them, we can, by a vote of the people or a supermajority of council vote, exit our franchise and be done and go right back to municipalization. Back in San Diego, as the protest at 101 Ash Street showed, there's some community activists who are still motivated to go into battle for public power. But there are also forces of resistance, namely among the bulk of current city leadership. For me, uh, it's, an, it's a no right now. Councilmember Barbara Bree has consistently said public power isn't on the table right now. Why? First of all, it is not free to take over those transmission lines. We have to issue billions of dollars worth of bonds and pay that money back. Second, I uh, have no confidence in the city to operate anything. San Diego hired consultants to look into the feasibility of public power. In their reports, consultants estimate the costs for taking over SDG&E's electricity and gas infrastructure as ranging from around $2 billion to just under $5 billion. In all low to medium cost scenarios, the reports say the city would save money with a public power option. The report also says these scenarios are most likely to happen if the city attempts a takeover. But the report also says in the highest cost scenario, public power wouldn't be worth it. While the high cost scenario is least likely, that's the advice Mayor Kevin Faulkner took. His office is moving ahead with an auction to take bids from private utilities to take over the franchise. As for SDG&E, the utility did not have a comment for this story. But in an email statement about the franchise negotiations, a company spokeswoman said, the company has been a good partner with the city and plans to submit a competitive bid. But on the sidewalk outside the 101 Ash Street skyscraper, Cody Pedersen of the San Diego Democrats for Environmental Action said, activists aren't giving up. He says the city consultants overestimated the costs of taking over the grid and that it's not difficult to find good managers for a city-owned utility. So we do need a city that actually starts to work for its citizens more broadly, but this can be done and we're already working on a path to do that. That path is trying to work with council members to stop any vote at city council when the mayor presents a franchise agreement. And if that isn't successful, activists say they'll continue to build community and political support for a city-owned utility. Our target is to create have municipal power in three to seven years. The path there is going to be bumpy one way or another. As bumpy as losing a million dollars a day? No, I don't think it is. Pedersen says as franchise negotiations move on and the option of public or private power comes up for debate, it's important that San Diegans never lose sight of their rights to have reliable, clean, and affordable electricity. Shalina Chatlani, KPBS News. KPBS On Demand is supported by 
the San Diego County Toyota dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota. Let's go places.